When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. PCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd today is Zolgat and Metcalf. Lindsay Whalen, Lynx Agar, joins us now as she does every Monday. Welcome to the show as always. Uh, hate to start you off with the n- negative, but <laughs> but let's talk about the nature of this year so far. You so so last week you beat or you lose to Indiana. Yes, beat L A, which is a very good team, arch mm-hmm. arch rival team of yours, and lose to Chicago. How would you describe th- this year? Just in the in the, you know the start was not great. The rebound was very impressive. But is this just, is it tough to describe in, in a year that does seem to be up and down and up and down? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. It was just um, a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, uh, like you said, the three and six start. Uh, obviously not anywhere where we're used to being. We're used to coming out, I mean, two years ago, we were 13 and out. So um, that was obviously not where we wanted. We got a couple good practices in. Um, we have one on a seven-game win streak, and then this week we had two of our worst losses of the year and then one of our best wins. So it's yeah, I know. It's... Up and down, to say the least. I mean, two, so we won seven in a row. Now we've, we've lost two of three. Uh, we're still eight and two in our last. Like, if you go on the WNBA and look, we're still – it's us in the last ten games. The two best teams in the league are just those ten games. It's us in Phoenix. Or, no, us in Seattle. So sure. They're in first. The only difference is we had – obviously not a great start and then the glaring thing of the last two games has been the way we've lost and it's been offensively just a lot of uncharacteristic things and then you can only almost you can only hold the fort down on defense for so long and so we scored 59 points against indiana and 63 points against chicago and those are two of the statistically not best defensive teams in the in the league but they held us and so mm-hmm. yeah it's um we have practice today, so I know Coach will get us uh, working. Um, we'll get some stuff ironed out. Uh, we have another practice tomorrow, and then we have a game. And we're, we're the type of team that really does well after we practice because we have a team of players who want to do well. They want to do the right things. And so once we've had some practices, things usually turn around for us. So we play three games this week, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. And so we have two practices here to get ready um, for those games. And so I definitely think we'll be, we'll be ready to go. So typical sports fan says this. How on earth do you lose to two not great teams and beat a good team? And and I think typical sports fans' first thought is well that you you get up for the for the uh, game against the good team, and it's not the same for the bad teams. Is that anywhere close to being right, Lindsay? 
Um, I mean, <clears throat> you don't think of it. You know, you're not like, oh, this is just going to be easy because it's Indiana and they're in last place. Um, now we have an arch rival, you know, our arch rival in LA, you're just human nature is to just, you're going to be up for that game, you know? And so, and when you just have a bad of a loss, you're going to be even that much more focused for the LA game because you just want to, you know, now the indie game because of how it felt after losing to Chicago, we're going to be a lot more focused. And it's just, I don't know. It's like a lot of just, you know, I don't know if it's like sports psychology stuff or human nature stuff where, um, some nights there's just things that are um, a lot more, um, I don't know, just what you don't even have to think about your energy, you know, your energy and your intensity and things like that. And that's where, that's where the really good teams are able to overcome them. That's what we've done for so many years. And that's why some of these losses have been uncharacteristic because it hasn't mattered in the past who we've played, we're ready to go. And that's how you get a 27-7 and seven season that we've had two of those. Um, and so that's in, and I think it's six or seven straight years of 21 seasons. And that's how that happens because you say, okay, we're playing the last place team. Well, it doesn't matter, you know? And so for whatever reason this year, um, you know, honestly, give some of the other teams credit too. Maybe those teams are a lot better this year. Maybe, you know, the WBA, it's a really competitive, if you look at the standings, it's crazy competitive. And so, you know, we just have to do our best on our end and, we're in fifth place. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the playoff hunt. Is you know, we're used to being in first or second. Um, so obviously, it's not where we want to be. But you know, just past the halfway mark here, um, we're in the playoff position. We have some games here where we can um, make some noise and and hopefully be sitting good by the time the All Star break comes. Uh, Lindsay Aja Wilson uh, tweeted last week after LeBron James' uh, contract was announced, four years, 153 million. She said, "154 m million must be nice. We over here looking for a million, but Laura, let me get back in my lane." Obviously, there's this huge wage gap. Why are we still dealing with this in 2018? Why are we in a situation where WNBA players, I believe, max out at what is like 20 percent of what the minimum is in the NBA? Right. Um, well, I mean, it's my 15th year, so it's just been kind of what I've known. So, um, I've, I mean, hey, look, I've enjoyed playing. Um, obviously, yeah, if you compare it to the NBA and you compare it to their money, you're, you're always going to come up. And if you compare those two things, you're going to be upset because, yeah, it's different. But you know what? It's a, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's basketball league, but it's, um, at the same time, we're still growing. We're still, you know, sponsorships, TV deals, all those things are the reasons why the NBA has those type of salaries. You know, they have a TNT contract, an ESPN contract, all those things. So we're working towards it, and we're we're working towards getting there. And, um, you know, that's where the next CBA, the next collective bargaining agreement, whenever that is, um, is important for this next group. If they want to make that change and if they want to – if they want to get paid like that, the players, then, you know, keep improving your game, fill your arena, you know, make it make it a product that you people really want to watch. And that's something that, that we've tried to do. I feel like our home crowds are probably, the you know, the best in the league. Um, Seattle is great. Phoenix is great. Um, and so there's some teams that have really over, you know, a length of time held that standard. And so now, you know, okay, Asia Wilson, she's a rookie. She's just coming into this. Um, you know, she'll learn. And so now what she has to do is try to carry her team and get her team to the playoffs and, 
and work really hard and some of the other players who have mentioned the same thing that, you know, it starts with us as a team, you as a player, um, your team, us as a league and just continuing to get better. And, um, you know, that's, that's what your focus has to be in that is just how can you be better and how can you make, if you want to make that type of money, continue to work hard and continue to, um, help better this product to make it something that, that people really want to watch. Lindsay, I'm curious about the start of your career. I know NBA guys just getting into the league, and they're making a lot of money. There are no side uh-huh. jobs or anything like that. What was it like early on? I mean, for you and some of your teammates, what did you have to do, I guess, to try to supplement your income that you were getting from the WNBA? I'm not, I didn't. I didn't. I've only played basketball. So um, I my first year, um, I mean, honestly, the – and you go from college where you're not making any money. I mean, they're paying, you know, you're on a full scholarship, which is great because you get your room board and you get your classes. I mean, you get your, you get a degree. I mean, that's an unbelievable resource. And so a lot of, you know, you're coming in with no, no debt. And so, um, I think my first year I made $40,000 in the WNBA. Um, I'd never come close to making anything like that in my life. So I felt pretty good. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I was good. I mean, my first paycheck, I don't know what it was, but, I was like, that's a whole lot of Subways or TJ Fry. I was like, I'm good. You know, I'm good. And then, you know, I uh, um, my first year I came back to the U to finish my degree. Um, so I didn't go overseas. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I saved money. You know, in the WNBA, they pay for your apartment. They pay for your car. Um, so you really, I mean, you have, at that point in your life, you're 22, 23, you have your cell phone bill as a payment. You know, you don't. They pay for your car, so you don't have car insurance. And then that's good. Um, yeah, and so then I went overseas. After yeah. that, I went overseas, and I played overseas for ten years, and I played WNBA overseas. And so I just played basketball eleven months out of the year, eleven and a half some years, and um, that's what I did. So, but you know, there's speaking, there's camps, there's a lot of things. Like if you want to be proactive and during your off season, and um, you know, find ways to to make money to um, you know during your off season. Like, just go out there and be proactive and do it. But, I mean, I was cool with the money I got because I'd never really had anything before. <laughs> How much are you now uh, t- taking notes on on things that, that you're seeing in games or uh, from coaching s- situations to transfer to the gopher job? Cause I- in game, yeah, in game. A lot of my stuff, you know, like, um, as I kind of more like the meetings and things are just what helps coach prepares. That's been the big thing. In game, it's. It's kind of tough because I'm just trying, you know, it's like, it's so fast and there's so much going on that it's like, okay, what do I need to do to sure. just help the team be successful? But I think after the season, I'll talk to Cheryl a lot about, okay, this situation, that situation. Um, and I've got a lot of other coaches too um, that I think will be willing to help uh, just on like, hey, you know, this is when you should take a time out. This is when you need to do this or that within a season. But um, more of the soft court stuff, I've been kind of – watching um cheryl um and in game it's i'm either in the timeout or um you know trying to figure out what to do as well so that at that point i'm just like fully a link player i'm not even thinking about uh what i could do for the the, the next but like yeah i definitely um you know have been you know watching and and different things more on the off days on the off times I've, I've been observing and doing that Lindsay, I guess I assume that when you walk into the living room of a top player, you, you just say, hey, everybody, I'm Lindsay Whalen. Come play for me. I know it's not that simple. So I'm just curious, like, what is the recruiting pitch? Um, well, you know, it's been 
a lot of, um, you know, so far we haven't been in anybody, you know, it's not the time for in-home visits or different schedules throughout the year. So, um, you know, just a lot of, you know, you know, selling our, our vision and kind of what we, what we think, um, is going to be, you know, a sustainable long-term, um, you know, successful team. And so, um, you know, it's about people first, it's about the relationships and, um, making sure, um, you know, people are really invested and feeling good and they want to be, they want to be gophers and they want to play for the U of M. And so, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's just been a lot of, you know, honestly, the facility that we have over there does a lot of the selling. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's really unbelievable. So when the, the athletes and their parents see where they get to basically spend a lot of their time, it's pretty, um, it's a pretty good sell for us. So it's, we're very fortunate to have, I'm very fortunate to have to come in at this point, um, at the U of M because, um, they've just, uh, they've done, they've done such a good job with that athletic village that, um, that's been a, a thing that's really helped us sell as well. All right, Dave, fire it up. Time for the fast break. You set for this? I'm ready. I just had to get a drink of water. No problem at all. No problem at all. Question number one. Give me something about the WNBA game that you like more than the NBA game. Oh, um, let's see. Uh, I would probably say our schedule because it's only 34 games, so every game really matters. Lindsay, what do you get overseas that you don't get here in America playing basketball? Um, over there it's more it's more college, so um, a lot of like team meals, a lot of team dinners and stuff. It's just like a little more, a little different there. That's more of an extension of like college over there. So here you get your per diem and you just eat and you're on your way. And over there it's like every couple hours there's a team meal. So it's a lot more like team, I guess, bonding over there. Something about the NBA game that you like that exists in their game more than your game? Um, I would probably say the seven-game series. I think that we need to get there, and we need to work towards at least, you know, starting out with the championship series being a seven-game series because game seven is, you know, we've had three straight game fives in the WNBA that we've been a part of. Uh, we won two, lost one. and But I think just getting to the point where it's a game seven and maybe not – four rounds or whatever, but at least the championship series being a seven-game series. With all your awards and trophies, what would you say is the top achievement of your career? Honestly, probably the sustainment, like, since 2011, we've won 20 straight, we've won 20, we've had seven straight 21 seasons, and five of those, maybe six of them have been 25 win seasons. And that's just, like, consistency and, um, you know, sticking true to yourself as a player and as a team to be able to have that many successful seasons in a row. Your biggest pet peeve in life doesn't even have to be basketball. What's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, probably... Oh, jeez. Um, you can give me a couple. That's fine. I don't like when, like, I, before I go to... Before, um, I don't like having like a sink full of dirty dishes before I go to sleep. I have to have it clean. So then when I wake up in the morning, it's like uh, the kitchen is clean. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I don't wanna, and I'm not trying to throw my husband under the bus because he did the he did the dishes last night and it's very clean. But like when it's not and I wake up and there's dishes, I just like oh, I can't stand that. That's my job. That's my yeah. job. Is that your job? I do garb. Okay. I do garbage. I do. Uh-huh. I do that. I do the sink. I mop the floor very sparingly. And and. The lawn. My four jobs right there. Nice. Nice. That's yeah. it. 
That's, that's good. That's good. Uh, all right. Hey, everybody plays a role. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Talk to you next week, Lindsay. Sounds good, guys. All right. Let's do this. Let's come back. You you wrote a story about an AAU brawl that happened on Sunday in Atlanta. Yeah. I want to ask you about the brawl, and I want to ask you about AAU basketball because I have not been to games. I've heard plenty about it, but let's talk about that next. The show is uh, Mackie and Judd, Myron Metcalf of ESPN, in for Phil today. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Man, isn't this the greatest? On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Right now. On 1500 ESPN. Thank you, David. TCL Broadcast Studios. Myron, uh, set up for me, since you wrote a story (laughs) about this for ESPN.com, set up for me what exactly transpired uh, yesterday in this AAU game in Atlanta. Well, at a tournament called, I guess, the Association, um, there was a team from Houston, Houston Raptors, and a team from Chicago, R-A-W Athletics. I don't know what that stands for. But at the end of this game, uh, there was a brawl in you, you, from the videos that were tweeted out, you see players attacking a ref. And then at some point, other refs come onto the court, and it's it's a fight where these kids are And it's wailing. refs from another game, right? There's like refs multiple a, games going on in this gymnasium, it looked like. Yeah, and the guy who, the first ref who was hit and attacked and assaulted, if you believe um, the people I talked to, his father was one of the officials mm-hmm. at another game on the court. So he runs over. And basically, you got these kids swinging on uh, officials. Now, the opposing, the coach who was involved says, no, this referee challenged my kids, and that's when the fight started. He got in one of my kids' faces and instigated this. The coach I talked to, who was the opposing coach who pulled his team off and he took the video, he said, no, what people don't see in the clips is that a player gets a tech, shoulder bumps the official, and then punches him. Okay. And then the clip that people see is they see this referee with his hands up. And the coach I talked to said his hands are up because he's yelling, who hit me? Who hit me? So he's defending himself okay. because he's been attacked. And then the next thing you know, he gets picked up and body slammed. And guys are just players, 17-year-olds, are wailing on him. And the coach isn't helping. And another coach made it clear to me. He said, there were people scrambling in the, in the gym. They've got little kids. I mean, these guys are fighting everywhere. It's in the stand. It's in the it's video. Everywhere. You can see that because it's coming towards the people who are shooting it on their phone. Yes, um, I've ne- I've covered a lot of AAU basketball. Never seen anything like that. And according to the organizer, they had police officers on site. There was security on site. I don't know where these people were, but uh, it, it was just madness and chaos in. The police are investigating. You see that video. Somebody's going to jail, John. I don't know who. Are they going to go get them, though? They're going to have to. Because if they went home to Chicago, Chicago. you're going to have to go put in to extradite them out of Chicago to prosecute them in Atlanta. I guess I guess when it's something with this profile, yeah. I guess I would imagine Cause the, something will happen. So the referee was defending himself, but he wasn't trying to fight. Because it does look in the video at one point as if the referee's trying to fight. But yeah. he was not trying to fight. He was just trying to defend himself against the players who had attacked. Yeah, okay. I mean, I think he, according to people I talked to, he was ready to fight. you got to realize, these are not 10-year-olds. These are grown and men was, almost, 17, 18 years old. And it was chaotic, so yeah. I don't blame him. These are big guys. Yep. So, uh, you know, from the, from the one coach's perspective... It's a referee getting ready to fight. Yep. From the guys I talked to and, and the people who know the official, they were saying he gets hit and he stands up, basically trying to protect himself, ready to swing if someone else swings at him. Because at that point, you're in a fight. 
you know, and you're mm-hmm. not in a fight with 10 year olds. I mean, at that point, someone's attacking you. You can get hurt here. Yeah. Um, I just, it's embarrassing. And it's, it's the worst of what you hear about that circuit. It's the worst of what you hear about AAU basketball. What? So, so you, you've seen lots of games in that circuit. Give me an idea because we hear, I, I feel like we always probably hear the worst because the best is not as much fun or intriguing. What is your assessment of AAU basketball today? It's at its best, a great way for players at all levels. And I hate that we just focus on the top 20 kids, but it's a great way for kids at all levels to get exposure, to get scholarships. I've told so many stories about kids who nobody knew about them going into their senior year of high school. And they had one breakout tournament and they got a division one scholarship. I followed a kid in Las Vegas a couple of years ago who legitimately was off the radar. No one even knew his name. And by the end of the week, he had five scholarship offers to D1 schools. So it's the best opportunity still to get exposure if you're a player. It's also chaos. I mean, it's it's also chaos because it's a meat market. You got shoe companies. They've got their hands in the pot, Judd. You got these coaches, some of them getting kickbacks and wanting to get a job with this school. You know, hey, you bring me on, I'll bring this player. And there's no real rules, correct? No, no. So if I'm getting kickbacks... It might not be ethical, but I'm but I can do it. You you can do it. Well, we thought that before the FBI situation and it turned wow. into like a bribery thing. But it happens. You know, <laughs> sure. it happens. Very I, very I know coaches with I know a coach who has a room in his house full of shoes from a major shoe sponsor because he, he can't store them anywhere else. He has an entire room dedicated to the shoes that this big shoe company sends him. Right? Like so there's a lot of dirt. Um there's a lot of the kid from Los Angeles is playing with the team in Texas because no one cares about regional uh, ties or, or loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as great as it is, and there are a lot of great aspects of AAU basketball, I've heard from more and more people on the ground. I talked to an official yesterday who said he doesn't even officiate summer basketball anymore because of incidents like that and the fear like that something like that will happen. So can this be, in so, in some ways, cleaned up or fixed, or has it jumped the shark, essentially? I think it's jumped the shark because you have so many tournaments now, and the ones like this that don't necessarily have the resources. I mean, the tournaments I've been to in recent years with ESPN, I mean, they're in Vegas. They're, they're these high-profile— You're not going to get fights. Yeah, there's the a police right officer at every yeah. game, and these guys are so elite. They know you swing at someone, an official— your scholarship's off the table. Right. No one's going to touch you. You're going to end up playing D three ball. But that's somewhere. the elite of the elite. The elite and of the you're elite. talking about the trickle down of this is a this can be a good thing, but it can also get it can be ugly this. and necessary. It can be this. I mean, according to the guys I talked to with this fight, the coach was yelling at you know play, yelling at the referee. Yeah, I saw that. Players story, were yeah. players were swinging. I went to a tournament last summer in elite of the elite. Jerry Stackhouse challenged officials to a fight. Jerry Stackhouse, who was an AAU coach, who's now, I believe, an assistant, if not with North he just got a big job as an assistant. But Jerry Stackhouse has an AAU program, former North Carolina great, yeah. good NBA player. He was going to be the next Jordan. Good NBA you remember player. that? Yeah, Jerry. There was a time he was going to be the next Jordan. Jerry Stack- and then Vince Carter came along and he was going to be the yes. next Jordan. Jerry Stackhouse challenging officials to a fight wait, 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 after an AAU game. What the? After an AAU game, Jerry Stackhouse ready to fight. Like, that's the chaos of... How does that not cost Jerry... I mean, how does Jerry Stackhouse then go out and get a decent job? I would think that you would say, if you can't control yourself in an AAU game, I don't want you. I think what's happened is this fight has become the, we can't have that. 
but everything below that, oh, it's kind of part of the circuit. Like, like I see. So this does sound like chaos. Uh, yeah, I see coaches say things to officials, and some of these coaches, they're the show. They're there to put on a show for the fans. They're there to, to basically say, hey, look, Division One schools, if you want my guy, I'm the only way you're going to get him. So there's that power they have, knowing that if you're Richard Patino, if you're some coach that wants a top player, you don't go through high school coaches anymore. High school coaches have no power anymore. AAU coaches run everything. So their programs aren't nearly as impactful now. No. High school programs are. High school, the high AAU school programs coaches, that control everything. 100%. Now, are there some great high school coaches around the country who probably carry some weight still? Yeah. But it's not. I go. I, I played D2 football, and that was when the coach came to the school, talked to Yerk. That's over. It, it's absolutely over. Interesting. It's now the AAU coach gets that call. He's the one that comes on the official visit. Is there a way to rein this back in, or I don't, I don't know. I mean, or even start. I've talked to officials who want to shut the whole thing down. I've talked to people who want to completely blow the thing up and start. Because I want to say it didn't even. It might have existed when I was in high school, but nowhere near like this. Not to this late eighties. I think it existed, and yeah. I heard about. I think. But I don't remember anything that even came close to what we've been talking about for, let's say, the last 20 years. LeBron James changed everything. Every shoe okay. company wanted the next LeBron. They put a bunch of money into the circuit. But, I, you know, the, the fight I'd like to say, that's the last time we'll ever see something like that. It won't be. I mean, it's just we're at a point where it's so unregulated. And I think these coaches and players know they have so much power right. that it sets up these circumstances. But, Judd, I can't imagine touching an official. That's what bothers me more than anything. Like the the to touch a referee, well, and, and then to just to flat out attack him. Yeah, it that to me, I I never could have imagined that even if this kid loses it, there's not a coach somewhere that can say everybody off the court. Can you imagine what what would have happened to most of us? Oh, oh, or most kids if you if you bumped the official, oh my goodness. forget attacking him and punching him. If you bumped him, and, but then to have the whole team or a, a large That's portion it. of the team go after the guy. That, Team would be that team if that happened in a high school game. That team would be banned for the rest of the season. Yep. Coach would be fired. Yep. Anybody attached to the coach would be fired. And, and I can just speak for myself. I don't want to go home and tell my dad what I just did. I got involved <laughs> in some with a. Okay, well that's the end of my career, right? There. If you did that in a high school game, you would be suspended and or kicked out, out of that high school. I believe. I agree. And as you should have been. I mean, it would go well beyond basketball. You would never play basketball at that school again, but you would also either be asked to leave completely and or suspended for yeah. a decent amount of time. And, and you, you should be. And if you were a star player, no coach is oh, touching you. would be you. done. No, because Absolutely. other coaches would talk and agree, nobody touched that kid. Yep. Because it's just not worth it. David, what's going up in stuff that we should know about? Talk about some sports dominance, how to properly celebrate your cuppy, uh, your country still being alive in the World Cup. And Ty Lue, mm, I don't think he gets it. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Coffee break. Better hurry if we want to get a seat. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Let's make this older, dumpier, right? and whiter. There you- <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Concordia University. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia uh, Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. What 
Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know. Woo! All right, Dave Harrigan, what do you have for Myron Metcalf and uh, yours truly? So I saw a quote from Ty Lue over the weekend talking about coaching LeBron James and how LeBron's very coachable. He's a great guy. And people have the wrong idea about him controlling teams and blah, blah, blah. And I was going to bring that to the table. <laughs> And then I stumbled across the quote from Ty Lue as he was over at the Summer League. Yeah. It was a surprise. You know, we talked, we had dialogue all summer, but I didn't want to ask him those questions. You know, we have a good friendship, and I respect his privacy. I respect his decision. And uh, we just talked about basketball, we talked about the draft, and things we wanted to do better at, you know, next season. But um, I didn't expect it. You know, when I, when I saw it, you know, I was shocked. and you know, hurt a little bit by the, by the decision. But like I said, you know, we talked and he said that, you know, I'm his favorite guy. Um, he loved being coached by me. He loved the, the four seasons we had together. And um, this decision was solely on just a decision for himself and his family. And um, I can I can live with that. Shocked a little bit. Go ahead, hurt. Myron. Well, that, that's what every guy says when he gets rejected by his first prom. <laughs> like the first, one, the first girl he asked to prom? Like what Ty Lue just said. Like ima- imagine he asked someone out to prom and she said no. Like what he just said, that's exactly the response. <laughs> like yes. come on, Ty Lue. What are you talking about? Like you didn't know. Oh, no, he liked me, Myron. God, he, he really, liked, he really he was, liked he was, me. I was his favorite guy. <laughs> he really hey, liked me. After Todd and Tommy, I was next, she said. <laughs> like if they would have been hurt or gotten the flu or something, I was going to prom with her. <laughs> come on, Ty. Or at least could have driven the car to drop her <laughs> off at prom. She told me to keep my phone on just in case something happened. Come on, Ty. Are you serious? Uh, it's clueless, right? Can it's he clueless. coach at all? Well, he didn't have to. No, no, but I'm saying we're about to find can, out, I think. Can he coach? I, I think we will. My, my I, question. Think, I think we will find out here. What's your guess? I would say no. Okay. I would say no in that there were a lot of critical moments last season where you needed a coach beyond LeBron to kind of elevate, and he couldn't do it. I mean, is he a, I don't think he's a bad coach. No. Do I think he's a great coach? I don't see that. And we're going to find out this year. Things get rough. Kevin Love will, too. John Shambi, Chris Singleton. You hear them every Sunday night calling a Sunday night baseball game right here on 1500 ESPN. Last night, I think you know where we're going with this. Uh, I don't. Last <laughs> night, it was the, what we call it, the freeway series. L.A. versus L.A. Dodgers and Angels going on. But while this game was going on, it was the 16th inning between Padres and Diamondbacks. That game was still being played. Well, there was a lull in the action in the game they were supposed to be calling when John Shambi, as he fully admits, he uh, pulled up the other game on, on his phone just to see what uh, what was going on and, well, got a little confused as to which game he was calling. But it's a little harder than people think. Even though you got a good arm as an outfielder, the 1-2. Not that easy to just hit 90. Oh, no. <laughs> Will Myers just hit one into the pool, and I almost called it. I was watching it. <laughs> I was like, what's he doing? Justin and I were looking at each other. I looked at the field. Like, yeah, there was no pitch. That was Will Myers just hit one. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, okay, that's great. That you know is great. That is great. That's good radio. That is great. It's delightful. Good for him. The one, two. The one There's two. nothing going on. You can, what the hell are you You can doing? hear Singleton. You can hear him being like, what? Are, I'm just going to keep talking in case you're having a stroke or something. That is amazing. That's the, that's the moment of his career. You know and, what? Though? And he tweeted about it too, and he was honest about yes, it. Yes, he was. That's fantastic that yeah. he didn't. He made up no excuses. No. I almost <laughs> called a Will Myers home run because I got confused. <laughs>
Oh, that's some good radio. That's what? We get singy every Friday. We have to remember that. Boy, he'll love that this story. Week. Uh, let's talk about, you know, let's talk about those wacky pitchers, specifically Trevor Bauer, Cleveland Indians. He's the guy that cut his finger up a couple of years ago on the drone. He's the he drone guy. Yeah. The playoffs. Yeah. yeah, he's the drone guy. He's also the one-year contract guy we have learned now. He was on a podcast with Jeff Passan, and that topic came up. The allure of the one-year deals. I don't want to get shot in the nuts with a paintball gun from 10 feet away. It's a pride bet. An agreement, a gentleman's agreement. So hold on. You have have a bet that you're going to win three Cy Youngs. Yes. And you have another bet that if you sign a multi-year deal, you have to get shot in the nuts mm-hmm. with a paintball gun from 10 feet. Yes. Under what influence was this bet made? Just me talking. That's all it is. It's with a buddy of his. I don't know why they made the bet. Trevor has said, look, I've been smart with my money. By the time I hit arbitration, I'll have made something like $40 million anyway, so it's no big deal if I don't make the money on a long-term deal. But he's got a couple bets with a buddy, and... Apparently he plans to stick to it because who wants to get shot in the, uh, you know, with a paintball? Um, Where do you go with that, boys? So Bauer, Bauer is Bauer is bu- is buddies with a guy I sit buddies? near at Twins games. Oh wow, Jacob Blazer, who's a drone guy. So they're drone boys. Oh, they're, boy. they're drone boys. Is this how they became buddies? Yes, yes. Because uh, when Bauer's in town, he goes out and does the drone stuff, like all oh, wow. over town. Okay. He, he loves it. He's still doing it. But I keep telling Blaze, this guy is beyond goofy. Like, he is beyond all the stuff. It, it, Bauer and and Blaze keeps saying, no, he's actually a great guy. You you like him a lot. I mean, you can be goofy and a great guy. No, yeah. you can be, but he doesn't strike. He strikes me as just flat out goofy without the great guy part. He's still doing drone stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, when he, he was just in town, he was doing the, the drone stuff. Isn't there like some contractual thing you'd think? Like, uh, no more drone. Uh, stay, stay away from the drone. I think you can do the drone stuff if you're not putting yourself in, in danger, which unfortunately he did when yeah. he cut the finger. Yeah. So I would imagine they told him, chill out a bit. Yeah. And this paintball thing, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you agree to that. I had no idea that he, he did one-year contracts. Me, me either. I would say that is, how can I put this politely, stupid? Yep. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to be this real smart guy. He's a pretty good pitcher, too. No, he is, but why would you do a series? If I'm Cleveland, I'm thrilled by this. If you're going to stay here and just accept one-year contracts, because when your arm starts to hurt... and We don't owe you anything. Yeah. Uh, Okay, for a guy who's supposed to be smart, that is flat-out stupid. World Cup action over the weekend. Lengard, splendid! As part of the English win over Sweden, if you're an English soccer hooligan in London and you want to celebrate your team making it to the final four of the World Cup, what do you do? Where do you go? You want to celebrate? Yes. When you want to celebrate a win over Sweden, where do you go? You go tear up the local Ikea. That 
was the sound inside the London IKEA as the uh, English fans were going nuts, jumping on furniture, and maybe figuring out how to put it back together. I'm not sure, but I did see a tweet from IKEA that they're thrilled for everybody, and they had a special on fish and chips the rest of the weekend. And I'm not kidding. And they probably sold fifty thousand futons. I mean, the, the, the drunk English walking into the IKEA—they're buying everything. <laughs> put the out their credits on me. I'll buy five. No, you'll buy five. No, Everyone buys ten. How did we settle on IKEA? Is my question, which they beat probably Sweden. can't be answered. You beat Sweden. Oh, you got you your you go to IKEA. Yeah. IKEA. So wow. who who do they play next? Who stores in trouble next? Who do they play next? Max, come on, you're the genius. They have when not it comes won the, the World, uh, World they have Cup the Belgians? since '66. I know that. Croatia. Croatia. That's beat it. Russia. Would you be afraid if you were Croatia? Yeah. Croatia, and you I, won in Russia a little bit. I, especially on how PKs, do you get out of that right? stadium? I said the same thing on Friday show. I said I would not want to be the official. If anything, if if a Russian player, short of decapitating yeah. a Croatian player, I ain't calling it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not calling it. Well, even if he decapitates, <laughs> yeah, his head looked a little loose. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a yellow. What do you fans think? You're right. You know what? No call <laughs> no at all. Call. Only a yell. Yeah. That makes me uh, very concerned. I'd be afraid. You know you're really good at a sport when you can't remember how many times you've been really good at that sport. I've won Wimbledon seven times. I don't even remember all the times I've won. I can't tell you what happened on match point. So I don't necessarily have to win another Wimbledon. I can end my career and have saying I've won. But was it six times? The six times. Seven. It was seven? Okay. <laughs> See, I don't even remember. By the way, Serena just won today, so she's on her way to number eight, getting closer. Oh, she can't remember the amount. You think her like trophies are scattered around her house? Like you're just walking into Serena's house and you trip over a French Open <laughs> you know what? trophy? Probably. probably. Yes. Or like her daughter's playing. It's like a cup for her daughter. It's yes. Like, like she's probably like that. Go play with this thing. Go play with this. What is it, mommy? Actual Wimbledon <laughs> trophy. Wimbledon. Nobody gives a damn anymore. Nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, she oh. just uses them as actual dinnerware. You got the plates, you know, your your cups, whatever it is. She just had a baby and she came back. I know this is incredible. Well, and 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 there were complications with the pregnancy too. There were, it there were out. complications in her first tournament. She didn't look. 100%, but now she's cruising. I can't blame her. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right, plenty more to come, including uh, Derek Wetmore on the Twins and also Wolves conversation. Mackie and Judd, Myron Metcalf in for Phil today. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. ESPN. Phil Mackey. Out of shape, overweight, and as I continue to say on this show, he doesn't take it seriously. Judd Zolgad. Judd is simply getting old, crotchety, and jaded about sports. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Get your tickets now to see Minnesota United taking on Real Salt Lake this Saturday. It's a 7 o'clock start, TCF Bank Stadium. How do you get those tickets? You go to MNUFC.com to purchase. Thank you, David Harrigan, TCL Broadcast Studio, Zolgat, and Myron Metcalf today of ESPN with uh, Phil out for a couple days here. I think he's on a, a staycation hitting some golf courses, <laughs> so good for him. Uh, so you, in, in hour one, you broached something that Phil and I have touched on on the show before, but not as in-depth as as I think you went with the question. And to be clear, you grew up... In Wisconsin, a yep. Packer fan. Yes. Okay. So this is the, this is important, but the the question is, what if and what if the 2009 Vikings had seen it through, yep. and Brett Favre had won the NFC title game against the Saints, 
And the Vikings had played the Colts in the Super Bowl. And instead of the Saints beating the Colts, the Vikings had. And what would Favre's legacy have been then in Green Bay and Wisconsin? And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? It's really interesting based on this. If Brett Favre had won that Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he, he retires without question. Yep. He does not come back in 2010. There's nothing when you beat the Packers twice, which was his primary goal. Yeah. But if you beat the Packers twice, have what, what amounted to an MVP-type season and and win the first Super Bowl for the Minnesota bleeping Vikings, who yeah. you spent your entire career playing for a fan base that couldn't stand. As a Packer fan, what is your opinion of what would have happened with Favre post-career then in Green Bay? I think you would have been looking at decades, if that. Like, like I think it, it might have been uh, a breach that couldn't be repaired. Like, again, I think from the outside perspective, it seemed as if people were disappointed in Brett Favre, and they, and, and they were. But it went beyond that. I mean, you talked about the rumble you heard when he went to Lambeau and what that sound was like. I mean, that was an entire state that had felt completely betrayed. Nobody cared when he went to the Jets. Right. You know, whatever. It's time for Aaron Rodgers. If you want to keep playing after you told us you retired, fine. But the Vikings, and they were good. So I think if he wins that Super Bowl, mm-hmm. there's just no way, Judd, they could have honored him in at any point in the near future. I mean, it wouldn't have been 10 years. It might have been something way beyond that just because I think there would have been a lot of people who would have said, forget this guy. We're, we're not going to honor him. The we're going to be stubborn. Yeah, we're, it wouldn't have been forget. <laughs> we're going to be stubborn about this. Now, at some point, would it have happened down the line? Sure. But I think it would have been a long, long time because the Vikings would have had to retire. I mean, what what would they do? I think you. I honestly think if he comes here for one year and wins a Super Bowl, the first in franchise history for a franchise that's been around since 1961, I think number four can't be worn again. Yeah. I mean, he's Ring of Honor instantly, even though it's one year. Still. Reti- yeah, but it's the you. He yeah. he did it. Yeah. He he gave you he gave you something that no other Vikings uh, team and or quarterback could could give you had yeah. given you yeah so his legacy here would be of that of a god a savior the man that came in and and saw this thing through and I think you're right in the sense that in Green Bay and Wisconsin that would have been deemed almost unforgivable yeah that he would have because and he. His bitterness at the Packers and Ted Thompson was such and was so high that he and he orchestrated the whole Jets thing. He wanted to come here. They obviously blocked it in 2008. So he got them to trade his rights to the Jets. Wink, wink. Played actually very well there for a while. Better than people realize. Hurt the tricep, right? Yep. Yep. Got hurt then. And and then and then said, "Okay, I'm done now. Once again, wink, wink to Brad Childress. Okay, now I'm going to join a team that fits, and it fits uh, it fits the system perfectly, or he did, because of, of the whole West Coast thing. And then Brad's saying, this is fantastic with that. And then Brett's saying, this gives me a chance to stick it to the Packers. So, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it would have been 10 years. Yeah. At least 10 years. At least. Because what you describe, I think, is... Ted would have had, had to been gone. Ted's no gone way now, they do it with Ted. But they would have had Ted and Ted and McCarthy would have both had to been gone. Would not have happened with them. There's just there's just no chance. And, and you make a great point. Brett Favre wasn't just trying to hang on. 
he was just chasing an opportunity to show up the Packers. Like that that was that entire period for him. And you look at a guy, and I don't think this is the same thing, but this sort of highlights the tension. Chris Weber hasn't been back to the University of Michigan in 25 years mm-hmm. because that great Fab Five team, when he left amid controversy and made some statements about the school, has not been back to the school in 25 years. He's going to go back for the first time this season, right? Like that is one-tenth maybe of what I think the tension is with the Packers and Brett Favre if he wins a Super Bowl with the Vikings and all of a sudden says, hey, guys, that was just a one-year thing. Sure, I won a Super Bowl, but you know I'm really a Packer at heart. I think he would be rejected for a long time, 10 years for sure, if not more. Like you would almost have to get to a point where maybe an Aaron Rodgers would have had to step up and say, hey, everybody, it's time to bring them back After into the After he's retired. Yes. Yeah. No. To, to say, right. hey, let's all forget all this. Yep. Let's bring them back into the mix. I think it would have been a. I think it would have had to have been an entirely new administration. Yeah. That would have said we can't ignore this. But you know, 2010 as well made it easier to, yes. to sue things because it was so bad for the Vikings. Yep. And Brett got hurt, and the consecutive game streak and ended. But you know, don't forget too the animosity I think between Brett and McCarthy and Ted goes back to the championship game uh, in 2007 against the Giants when the legend is McCarthy told people after that game if his name wasn't Brett Favre I would have benched that quarterback at halftime because he was playing so poorly because he could no longer operate in the cold. No, but McCarthy told people off the record, I, I would have benched him. Yeah, I couldn't, but couldn't, I would have. Couldn't is the word. And, but but if that yeah. but that got back to Brett, and you know Brett, yeah, he is as vindictive as they come. And so then he decides. I think his feelings got hurt, so he decided to retire. And they went down to Mississippi in March and said, "Are you sure you're done?" And he said, "Yes, I'm sure." Yep. And then called him back in what was it June? Yep. And said, "I'd like later. to come back." Yeah. And they said, "Aaron's it's Aaron's that's job. It. We can't, can't do come this. back." And that's when he said, release me, and I'm going to sign with the Vikings. And in Ted's defense, he said, no bleeping way am I going to release you to sign with, with the team that if if you go there and are successful, I'm going to look like a complete idiot. Yeah. And that's, he would not have just ruined his legacy, the legacies of everyone else. Because if he goes and wins that Super Bowl, you know, before Aaron Rodgers, if he goes to the Vikings and wins a Super Bowl, now everything is tarnished. And I think... Even if Aaron Rodgers is still quarterback, I don't see how they could have honored Brett Favre if that in that scenario. As long as Aaron Rodgers was quarterback and playing, I, think, I don't think they could honor him. I think I think he would have had to have been retired, and it would have been ten to fifteen years. And Ted and McCarthy both would would have had to have been gone. Yep. And it would have taken somebody. It would have taken somebody different to come back and say we can't have this. Yeah. But it would have been ultra interesting if the number four. Got hung up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Which they would have done it fast, and not. At, oh yeah, and that would have been a ten-year thing. Had to, Myron, yeah, I yeah. think they would have almost had to, and they would have done it fast just to stick it to the Packers. All right, let's uh, discuss this. Is Tibbs now trying to play nice? Can he? Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it on fifteen hundred ESPN.